Fergus has a lot of feelings hearing this story from Philotos. He, um, he's been pantomiming sitting in a chair, and, uh, when he, when he hears that the, when he hears the part of that story that's like a great AI <clears throat> a vision of perfection, trying to control everything, he starts to, like, phase through the chair for a second. And then corrects himself. He's thinking, fucking one eye, again, somehow, somewhere else in the universe, some version of it. And by the end of the story, he's almost faced through the chair again and corrected himself again. Actually, he's been, he's been miming, um, drinking like a, a cup of something. He has no idea what liquid he's ordered, but he has it in a in a cup that looks like he expects a cup to look. You know, like when he orders from the <laughs> from the posh worm <laughs> bartender guy, he's just like, bring me something in a china cup, more or less. So he's holding this cup and, and when he gets to the part where they admit to like butchering worlds, um he he drops it. Actually, um, he, he holds it steady in the air and his hand goes through it. He like pantomimes drinking, but he's forgotten to move it. So the cup just stays there in the air while his hand passes through. He does this like a couple of times before he realizes his mistake. So, um, he's sitting with a couple of genocides and he has to just deal with that. So when he gets to the end of the conversation and Philotos is like, you're a metaphorical sphinx, you know, like, what are you thinking? What's on your mind? He says, you, uh, gentlemen of gentle beings have given me a lot to consider. My, uh, motives must seem quite pedestrian by comparison I and he rises um, his the appearance of clothing that he has flutters dramatically he says I care only for one world mine and he leaves um, he's not going to tell them shit he's not going to tell them how he feels because he's not sure how he feels um, he knows he's sort of angry at the idea that these two, like, jerks in a bar have wiped out entire planets, and, and, and wiped out entire planets by following orders, you know? Um, so there's that. But he also feels incredibly small, like, a couple of guys that wiped out entire planets are just sitting in a cafe with him. Um, it's a weird, symmetrically asymmetrical cafe, but it's still a cafe. It's, like, so mundane. And what they've said is, like, so incredibly horrible and overwhelming. He has no idea what to think about it. So, he leaves from there. If this is happening early on, then he, you know, he, like, makes a circuit 
of the whole place. He returns to the, the Earth Woman being, just sits there and, like, tries to figure out what he's thinking in a calm environment. And basically where he lands is um, this idea that present has some kind of ineffable wisdom that makes it okay to blow up planets is just bullshit to him. It's just garbage. Um, so, uh, with no further conversation with Philotos or, um, I forgot the other guy's name. He, he begins, uh, the second performance. And that's that. So let's jump to the, the answers in the scene, uh, real quick of you and Liraz, cause I imagine that that would be a in between of you going and, and leaving the, the plant lady and kind of just skirting around for a while uh, before this conversation with these two individuals uh, had gone down. The small, tiny little psychic impressions that you get are tied to these microscopic, uh, organic, inorganic, uh, they're not really cells. They're just kind of uh, leavings of some sort. And that's what you get the, the faint psychic impression off of. And, uh, you know, Lyra has told you about them, but through a combination of your telekinesis and telepathy and everything, and that's how you're picking up on these, um, yeah, you're able to collect, you know, these things are, are, are microscopic, so you're able to, to hold them in a telekinetic shell of some sort, uh, you know, which in itself is, is minuscule. You probably wouldn't even be able to see this collection that you've got with the naked eye. The question that you had about, if I'm trying, if I understand you correctly, is... Uh, if time is still moving or, or whatever, uh, things are getting older. I'm, I'm trying to remember how you phrased it. Where you're at in Neverwin, uh, it is always present. It, it is outside of time, so it is not beholding to the natural flow. And from what you've been told and what you understand, like, Someone from never when you're not sure how nobody's told you exactly can be implanted pretty much anywhere in time in whatever reality yeah you don't know if it's if it's some type of device or um, or if present does it or or what but you finish your conversation with Philetos and Buta, and even you try to stay even, but there, you know, I imagine that there's a, a small look of horror that horror that crosses your face at some point. And as you're flying away, Philetos kind of stands up. And he's like, we, we saved worlds too. Fuck. And so you fly off and brood and, ponder and think and 
you decide to start your second play. So you're floating above the city, kind of looking down, and you see a large congregation of of individuals, and you you kind of reach out and probably you know all but a handful are types that you can mind control. So you land down in a dramatic fashion and state that your next play will be starting and you know, starring you and you and you and you and you and you start into your not rhetoric but you start into your your play that you've been formulating and I, I, I feel like some of it should be improv because of how upset or worked up Fergus is and talking about tyranny and and deposing those that deserve it and living under tyrannical rule and you know you can you can give me the the finer points of of what this consists of but you are grabbing people and you know in masses and groups and having them act these things out and your words are coming out of their mouths and you you just get completely absorbed in this letting all your frustrations and everything and as uh, more individuals come in you grab them and they have different parts and you release others and you're you're just completely absorbed and worked into what you're doing you know you you look up at this this gathered crowd word has kind of spread and you know you're just glancing through you're you're more absorbed in in the what you're doing but you swear as your eyes scan through you see a large eight foot tall masked you know simple clothing you swear just for the briefest moment that present is there but when you focus or you know maybe you, you stumble uh, for a second trying to to make sure that it was them uh, there's nothing there so you know you're you finally finish this fevered performance this you know as as precise and eloquent as it may be and as logical as fergus is he's also even if he doesn't want to admit it a creature of his passions um this passionate performance you release and just out of out of habit and you don't need to breathe you just or the semblance of you know taking a deep breath and you feel very satisfied and you look up and you see you know people snapping out of your mind control and there's just 
and you reflect back as I'm looking and a majority of it, a majority of these beings are just a you know a gog they're masks of horror on their face of you know everyone's taking not everyone but a lot of people are taking steps back there's a, a few handful that are like laughing they, they you know they think it's was maybe done in good fun or something they weren't exactly sure what happened because when you mind control people they kind of just blank out and uh don't realize it but there's a large enough group that people have been talking as this has been going on and uh other you know the ones that were mind control have been realizing what's going on and you see a couple like they don't step to you but a couple people that are maybe in uh you know a couple of fighters or whatever that are taking defensive stances a couple of the ones that you know are immune to your mind control or you know like kind of shepherding people away or putting people behind them even though you know it's you know it wouldn't be effective but okay happy to give some flavor for that so first of all when fergus makes his announcement he says that the title of the new play is a remembrance of future follies so he's trying to get a past word and a future word in there both as digs at present and what he does is um i think he would have done some research on this so he's not necessarily improvising everybody but as he's been going around testing people's minds he's been seeing if he can take control of them if he can make them his puppets but he's also been reading them a bit so i'm assuming not everybody has done things on the scale of philatos and the other guy but i'm sure there are people enough here in Neverwind who have done bad or misguided stuff that he's going around, he's picked a few select stories that make present look bad. Um, not necessarily like a tyrant, although there's part of that's part of it for sure, but also just like a fool. So anytime when, you know, someone's service to present has included like, oh, we did this thing for a really abstract goal that nobody really understands, but present assures us, that kind of thing. He's playing out like three to five of those stories. And he uses one character, one person. Well, no. There's a, there's a, he sets up a recurring character who's like a narrator slash Greek chorus kind of figure who gives a bit of context for each of these situations and also like does commentary in between. So, you know, say the first, say the first folly. Uh, well, okay, so this figure first comes out. 
and um, Fergus walks over to them silently, pretending to walk on the ground, and in a ceremonial gesture, passes them this mask that he's made. Or maybe he just assembles it right there. It looks a lot like his old mask from his recent career. Um, he passes it over to them, and then that person pantomimes taking up the puppet strings of other people around them. So he's making this person sort of a stand-in for him. But um, that this sort of narrator figure is like, welcome all to this remembrance of future follies. You may ask, how can such a thing be? Either we're remembering them because they have passed, or we anticipate them with dread in the future. But oh no, not in Neverwhen. In Neverwhen, everything is always... I'm not sure how he would put this. I guess he would say it like... But oh no, in Neverwhen, everything is always and never. It has not and it has. And then he sort of does a sly wink toward the audience, whoever he imagines is, is the audience, and he's just like, wrap your noggin around that one. So, you know, he, he plays out the first folly, and then the, uh, the fake puppeteer passes over the mask to another humanoid who puts it on. And that one's like, well, that didn't make our friends and neighbors look so good. Why, they ruined the very thing they went to save. Or should I say, they will. Well, let's see why they would have done such a thing. And he goes over to one of the people he's just used as a cast member. The one whose actual story is the basis of this. And, and does a little, like, mock interview. It's basically just one question. It's just like the fake puppeteer sort of skips over and it's like, why have you done this? And they just sort of point toward, I'm assuming there's some sort of highly visible structure that's where present is, like its tower or something. Um, if not, then he sort of puts together this like cardboard cutout, you know, mishmash sort of figure that looks like present. And the person responsible for the folly, the person whose folly it is, just points at present. And uh, fake fake narrator puppeteer is like, oh my! It's like, surely, surely the one who has seen all knows better than this. Why, I heard another story of one of his antics just the other day, and so the next one goes on, and the narrator's tone gets increasingly critical to the point where, before the fifth one, it's like furious. It's talking. But, um, well, it's, it's moving its mouth, but Fergus as actually, like, goes over to where it is, or projects his voice or something. I, I don't know if he could do that, but... It's moving its mouth, but he's talking. Maybe he's just standing right behind it, letting everyone know that this is him talking. It's just like, how could this being with supposedly infinite wisdom butcher worlds like a thoughtless child? And stuff like that.
So he's basically saying that, like, present has no idea what it's doing. It couldn't possibly know. And all of this, like, oh, we take its word for it that it knows what it's doing, is like, you shouldn't. And so at, at the end of the, the fifth and final folly, 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 um, the, uh, the, the last creature he's used as narrator uh, doesn't have a, a human body shape, and it's been like holding the mask in some sort of tentacle, or maybe it's got a bunch of spines, and it's just like flexing the spines and holding the mask among them. But, um, it hands the mask back, and he takes it. He appears to take it with his hand, and about partway, he's, he's, he's flexing his elbow to make it look like he's putting it on, but at some point he just stops with the arm, and the mask just continues up and settles over his face, or in front of his, his face. Oh, to see in the cosmic the follies of the terrestrial rewritten. It's not a tragedy, but a farce. And now it stops. So he lets go. The mask, he just like, if he already built it beforehand which I know is a bit of an ask to let him retcon something that's sort of important. But anyway, either he, like, breaks it, or it's been held together this whole time, telekinetically, in which case he just lets it fall apart. Um, so as the crowd is, like, backing away and people are, like, turtling up, trying to defend themselves from him, he's... He's looking around, he's trying to, like, catch that glimpse out of the corner of his eye. And when he doesn't see it, he just starts to, like, go up. And he's just like, present? He's looking around. Doesn't see it. Still higher. Present! And he, he grabs a few humanoid people again and makes them a human microphone. Uh, sort of like, <laughs> sort of like the worst form of the people's mic. <laughs> he just uses all these people to amplify his shout, and he's just like, "Present!" He's just like, "Come out and face me." That's basically his his thing. He's just like, you know, don't be a coward. Come out here and talk to me. I don't think there's any other. I don't think he would he would issue any other threat at this point. I think he would just say, just come out and face me or something like that. But there's sort of an implied one, yeah.